Welcome to Next Steps, the midweek podcast from Blackhawk Church, where we dig further into the message from Sunday and explore how to apply it to our lives. I'm Chris Kopp, one of the pastors here, uh, and Tiffany is unavailable today, but taking her place for this episode is someone that many of you know, uh, especially if you attend our Fitchburg site, and that's Sarah Zimmerman. Sarah, it is good to see you. How have you been? Well, um, we've been pretty doing pretty well, actually, in spite of everything that's happening um, around us. And um, in comparison to what a lot of people are going through, our family has been doing pretty well. We are um, all working and doing school from home. And while that presents some challenges, there have definitely been some really sweet moments and some really um, some beautiful silver linings. So, yeah, but I can't say that I'm not excited for my kids to go back <laughs> to school. <gasps> right. Yeah. I, I resonate with that. And I, we're hearing a lot of that. Like yeah. it's certainly hard and has its stressful moments, but there's, um, there's a lot of good in it too. Um, yeah. Thanks Sarah for, uh, stepping in today and being a part of this conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, Well, today we're continuing with our theme from last week of talking a bit about care and mental and emotional health and all of those things that are are intertwined with that. Um, And to do that, let's welcome in Michelle Owen, who, among other things, is a licensed counselor here in Madison. Uh, So welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, As we get started, Michelle, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself for, uh, for those that might not know you? Sure. Uh, I'm a follower of Jesus, so all of my roles kind of come out of that identity. I have two really wonderful little boys, Caleb, who's in second grade, and Joshua, who's a kindergartner. And then I'm also married to Daniel Owen, who's the site pastor at Fitchburg, um, Blackhawk Fitchburg. So we get to do a lot of great ministry things there. And then I also own a counseling practice called Owen Counseling uh, Behavioral Health and Wellness here on the West Side. Awesome. Um yeah, and I know our time overlapped a little bit at uh, the University of Wisconsin, and we share an alma mater in, in uh, Denver Seminary yes, as we well, do. <laughs> so, so that's fun. Um, well, to jump right in here, uh, we're just gonna we're gonna go for it. Um, this has obviously been a challenging season for just about everyone um, in a variety of of different ways, uh, but I want to hone in on and talk specifically about anxiety uh, because I know many of us have been dealing with some level of anxiety throughout this pandemic. Um, and last week in the episode with Sandra Malone, we talked a lot about how to recognize that we might be dealing with anxiety and need of some self care. Um, but once we've recognized that, Michelle, can you talk a bit about how we can begin to deal with that anxiety? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times anxiety comes from either worrying about the past or worrying about something that's going to happen in the future. So a lot of times we help train and coach people of how to be more present-minded, and we do that through mindfulness. Um, so there's a couple different strategies that we can use to really help us be more mindful and present to the moment, which will hopefully reduce some of our anxiety. Um, the first thing that I think is really helpful is just deep breathing. (laughs) And it sounds really simple, but it's actually really hard for people to implement when we're anxious. We don't think about doing that right away. Um, So just something really practical is to inhale for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, and then exhale slowly for about six seconds. And so part of why that's important is because it actually combats that stress response that we naturally have. And so by breathing like that, it relaxes all of our muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you're also 
focusing on your breathing in <laughs> and breathing out. So you have less time to focus on what you're actually worried about. Um, another really great, more mindful technique is called grounding. And so um, I do the five, four, three, two, one technique. <laughs> and that's where you look for five things in your environment that you can see, uh, four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things you can smell, and then one thing that you can taste. So what it really does is pull you back to the present. And mm. so a lot of times I'll coach um, my, my patients or clients to try to find the very unique things in their environment. So maybe you're seeing the color gradation in the carpet or you hear the hum of the refrigerator um, or the smell of burnt toast from breakfast. So try to pick up those very specific details that you might have overlooked um, previously. Yeah, tell me more about that. Like, what is what is that actually doing as we um, as we do that? Like, I know sometimes I just in some of my moments of anxiety or um, or kind of darker moments, it's really easy to just let our thoughts kind of continue to go and go and kind of spiral down. So, is that kind of pulling us back into the moment and helping us to kind of? step back from that a little bit or what's going on there as we do that? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times it helps us to become more mindful and present to what's actually going on mm -hmm. um, rather than thinking about what's what's worrying us or what's going to happen in the future. And so I, I do think it's hard for us to stay present to what's in front of us. So it, it's just a strategy of trying to pull you back to the present moment and, and look around to see all the things that are surrounding you rather than what's ahead. Yeah, that's great. I yeah, I appreciate the um, the breathing piece in particular because when all of this started, I, I'd never really done that before. I was listening to some podcasts that talked about that, and it it sounded kind of strange. So maybe you're having mm -hmm. the same reaction. Um, but holy cow, has it been a lifeline um, over the past nine, ten months or or so to re really just kind of um, settle myself? And it's something that you can do and. I think pray at the same time and yeah. um, have that be an extra tool to um, even even pray as we as we do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I'll encourage people to breathe in um, a scripture verse and then breathe out a scripture verse. So like be mm -hmm. still while you inhale and know as you exhale or pick a different mm -hmm. verse that kind of speaks to you um, again, because it centers us in Christ. Yeah. I appreciate um, the real practicality of these tools um, for many of us, like myself, who have, well, I have a middle schooler, two middle schoolers, one of which is a teenager. Uh, can't believe I'm saying that. But um, the practical ways of helping your kids manage what they're dealing with right now are really helpful. Um, one thing I didn't mention before is I'm currently um, a grad student getting my master's in social work. And um, there's a physiological, as Michelle mentioned, response in the body under stress. And particularly for younger kids, helping them activate, I think it's the prefrontal cortex. Yep. Mm -hmm. Somebody else can correct me yes. if that's wrong. Yeah. I'm uh, going back to my human behavior class. But there's really a physiological response that breathing helps intervene and stop or slow down. So um, I don't know, for all you science nerds out there, that's a really, it's just a really helpful tool. So. Mm -hmm. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, and they do, there are studies and different things that show that our brain changes as we practice mindfulness and meditation and different things. So there's a lot of neat science that's coming out to even prove some of the biblical truths that we've always known has yes. been true, like take your thoughts captive, all of these things, gratitude, um, mm -hmm. they're showing in brain scans that it does change your brain. Um, so cool. So it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. and, and that's another aspect um, that, and tool that I think might be helpful for us to talk about is just how important our thoughts are. Uh, and that's one of the things um, that really is a core part of my job is to help people 
to train themselves to think in a healthy way. Uh, so we know that people who struggle with depression and anxiety have more thought errors, or th we call them cognitive distortions, um, and that just false beliefs about things, and they don't even realize it. And so um, that's something I would encourage people to do is really pay attention to their thoughts and try to pick out some of those foundational belief systems or lies they might be having. Mm. Uh, with anxiety, a lot of times we um, minimize our resources and our ability to handle things, or we exaggerate the outcome or the likelihood that something's going to happen. And so really trying to catch some of those um, magnifications or those thought errors can be really helpful for people. Yeah, that's good. So I have been a faithful listener to the Blackhawk podcast over, um, I don't know, the last several months and um, since it started actually. And um, I particularly enjoy when um, we're given space to reflect or pray or do a practice. Um, back when you did the prayer of examine on the podcast with the pennings, I actually reached out to Tiffany just to tell her how much I appreciated the podcast, giving me the actual space and time to participate in the moment. Um, it was just really helpful to me. So Michelle, are there any um, spiritual practices or other things that have been helpful to you or your family over the last year? Yeah, I've really found that silence and solitude has been invaluable during this season. Uh, there's this really short window of time where both of my boys are on their video chats um, for virtual school. And I take that time to just uh, spend time with Jesus and sit in quiet. Um, I, I found just with my own worrying and anxiety that um, these little lies sneak in about like, is God good? Does he love me? Does he care about what I'm going through. And that silence and solitude has really given me space to kind of reorient my heart to his truth and kind of live out of that. And so uh, for me, that has just been such an important practice during this season. And again, just to continue to reorient and fight against some of those lies for myself. Mm. So um, what does, just for those that maybe don't have a lot of experience or with silence and solitude or who are really intimidated by it, whose brains move really fast and the yes. idea of sitting quietly. What does that time look like for you? Is it five minutes? Is it 50 minutes? And do you read? Do you have any outside resources? That, or is it really just sitting still and trying to listen for God's voice? Yeah, I um, there's a lot of really great resources. Um, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is a great book. Um, Ruth Barton has a lot of great books, uh, just if you're interested in silence and solitude. For me, I try to just sit in his presence um, for 10 or 15 minutes, and then I do a Bible study and scripture study afterwards. Uh, my husband, Daniel, actually, um, recently we've been talking about this, and he gave me a really good image of how he enters into silence and solitude. He kind of visualizes how... Um, when he was younger, he would sit on the back of the pickup truck with his dad. And sometimes they would talk. Sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes his dad would say something profound. Sometimes he would chat back with his dad. And other times they just sat and were in each other's presence. Uh, and for me, I often use that visual of like, okay, I'm just sitting next to God. And sometimes he might say something. Sometimes I might say something. Uh, and sometimes I just want to sit and be reminded that I'm loved and who's I'm, whose I am. Uh, and so I think going to it in, uh, without expectation or pressure on yourself uh, is really important. And then I also encourage people who haven't done it before, start out with a couple minutes. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a long time at all. A couple minutes is more than enough, um, but it's something I crave. So when I don't do it, I can feel it. Um, and so I, I take as much time as I possibly can because <laughs> I enjoy it so much. 
Yeah, that's one of those things, silence and solitude, again, that might sound a little bit strange to some people, but um, man, it keeps coming up in these podcasts and in conversations that um, I'm having with people around our church. Uh, I think God's doing something and kind of teaching a lot of us to um, to engage with that. So again, if it's not something you're accustomed to or, or um, used to, check out yeah any of those resources that Michelle just said. We also did a podcast um, with our worship director, Hannah Bussey, and with Sarah Bianchi. I think it was on November 11th of last year. Um, talking exactly about this, about kind of this creating space to hear from God and silence and solitude. So you can go back and listen to that as well. So some of our listeners um, are not just caring for themselves in this season, but also are um, have a house full of people. Um, <laughs> so I myself have two middle school girls at home. And while there have been some struggles, um, I'm really impressed with the resilience and adaptability um, of our girls, um, they have had many things that they love um, taken away for a while. And so um, it, they've just been really impressive. And I know a lot of kids are going through the same, the same thing. Um, we know that some kids are really struggling. So um, are there any warning signs that our school-age kids might be in need of additional support? Yeah, so it is a really hard time for everyone, uh, but especially for, for our kids. Um, so some warning signs just to look out for would be changes in sleep, uh, changes in appetite, energy levels, uh, any kind of social withdrawal. So Anna is spending a lot of time by themselves or any drastic changes in mood. Uh, with that being said, though, all of those things really are just signs of being an adolescent. <laughs> so I think I want to normalize that as well. Um, I think you know your kids. So if you feel like there's something that isn't settling right with them, just check in with them um, because you're, you're going to be the best thermometer to figure out if there's something going on with your, your children. Yeah. It is hard to tell sometimes, but I think the idea of trusting your gut, you know your parent or you know your kids better than anyone else. So, um, and then also, do you have any advice for how to create environments where our kids can thrive um, and stay mentally healthy right now? Yeah. So, so I think I'm going to preface <laughs> this part and just, um, give parents grace. A lot of us are at capacity. So these are just mm -hmm. suggestions or ideas um, that you can do if you feel like it. But um, I also realize that as parents, we're all trying to survive right now as well. Um, just some really practical things to consider is creating a routine for your kids um, so that they know what to expect. I think a lot of our anxiety comes out of the, lock, the lack of control and loss of control we've had because of COVID. And so having a flexible structure really helps our kids to feel really safe and secure um, it can also help our own stress level. So if our kids know our expectations, it makes it easier for them to respond well to us. Uh, I do think with younger kids, you can do visual charts uh, with older kids like your kids, Sarah, having them be a part of the process of what do you want the routine to be? Give me input of what you need. Um, some other things is also like creating celebrations and um, really marking the passage of time because this has lasted so long uh, and a lot of our natural markers, whether it's the change of sports seasons or school days off or breaks and holidays and those things, they're not the same as they used to. So we have to cultivate like rituals and celebrations. Uh, and so 
many of us probably naturally do this. So sometimes it's just naming and identifying it and making it regular. Mm -hmm. So if you watch movies, you can have Friday family movie night or Sunday donut day. Um, it's just a matter of naming it and making it something for, for our children to look forward to. Um, because I think we're all <laughs> wanting something to look forward to yes. right yeah. now. Uh, and then the last thing is our kids are going to take their cues from us. And so this is a really good opportunity for us as parents to model what good coping skills look like, um, how we, we go to God and depend on Him when we're not sure what's going on. Uh, we can practice apologizing to them when we don't act the way that we want to. Uh, and so there's a lot of room for grace and a lot of room for us to grow and model for our kids how to be resilient in really hard times. I love the, the rituals and the celebrations piece. Uh, I was just talking to someone on our staff and they, uh, I think since COVID started instituted, like they created a spin wheel and then every Friday night they spin it and uh, whoever's name it lands on gets to pick the movie and the place where they get takeout. And it's just like something fun that their family looks forward to every week. But um, yeah, I love the idea of creating some of those things and instituting that. I love that. We have this thing called a Popsicle Stick Wednesday. Okay. So it's my date day with the kids because they're asynchronous that day. Um, and I take the morning off and we made Popsicle Sticks with different fun ideas of places to go or activities to do. And then we pick out a popsicle stick every Wednesday. Um, and so it's one of the things the kids look forward to every week. And again, it passes time. So another Wednesday's passed. Um, and so it gives them something to look forward to. And it gives me something to connect with them on. Yeah. What, what about you, Sarah? Like as a, um, as a parent of middle schoolers, mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you've found helpful um, in this season so far? Yeah, I think... Um I love the idea of celebrating. I think ours is maybe a little more spontaneous <laughs> just because we maybe live a little less structured life. I don't know. Um, but I do try to celebrate the little wins. Mm -hmm. um, so last week, you know, the girls um, were struggling with school stuff and were able to kind of get everything where we expected it to be. And I said, hey, pop on some shoes. We're going to go get in the car and get some ice cream. And they were just like, yeah. And it's, you know, if you're a parent of teenagers, it's hard to get your kids excited for things like going out for ice cream. Um, but it really did um, reinforce the fact that they had met our expectations, felt good about themselves. And it was fun. It was just great to stop and celebrate. Um, the little things that we take for granted when we are outside of a pandemic um, really are a lot more meaningful. The other thing, too, I would say is playing um, for our family, just participating in the things that they enjoy. Um, so maybe it's playing among us or it's going sledding or it's, you know, some of the things that I may not necessarily love to do, but for them, um, it's super meaningful to spend that time with them. Yeah. Did I see pictures of like, maybe it wasn't midnight, but like late night sledding yeah, or something like that, that recently? Oh yeah. <laughs> we try to do little things that would surprise them. Because again, at, at this age, the, the things that when kids are really little are super exciting, um, just hot cocoa and going and looking at lights as um, middle schoolers and older are a little less exciting. It's a little more like, oh, do we have to? So mm -hmm. we try to do a lot of spontaneous things that they wouldn't expect. And that tends to be a little more exciting for them <laughs> at this age. So Well, let's face it. We need that as parents sometimes too, yes. right? Like yes. to get out of the house and yes. to, to do that with our kids. But Gives an excuse to get ice cream. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, ulterior motive for sure. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are, are really fun parents. That's awesome. Um, well, this might be a hard question to answer, but 
I, like, I think back to when I was that age, middle school, high school, and so much of your identity is wrapped up in, like, peer relationships or just so much of, like, what it meant to be um, healthy and thriving and, and whatnot. Obviously, that's hard right now. So much of, um, I think some schools are starting to go back to in-person, but it's been a lot of Zoom calls and things like that up to this point. Um, have you guys found any way, maybe not to replicate like peer relationships, but to kind of fill that need um, in in your own kids' lives or anything like that? Anything that uh, you've seen or that that has helped um, do some of that? That's a really tough question to answer. I think, unfortunately, for you know, I can only speak from my experience. I have middle schoolers, and this is an age where kids are really focused on peers. And so I think for a lot of kids, it's going one of two directions. I think for the extroverted kids who maybe don't have much social anxiety, um, you know, their struggle is very different from the kids who are introverted, who are actually becoming more... Um, maybe where that social anxiety is actually growing because they're not having to deal with the daily discomfort of school, of the social environment at school. Um, so it, this is a really hard thing that I think is almost impossible to replicate right now. So we, you know, our family personally has been a little more lenient with screen time. Um, letting our kids play some of the games they enjoy with other kids. Also FaceTime, it's kind of sad, but also just where we're at that my kids walk around the house with their friends on FaceTime. Mm. And that's the best we can do to replicate them actually being with their friends right now. Um, so I don't, I wish I had a better answer, but I think we just have to do the best we can to get through and support our kids in whichever, whatever end of the spectrum and in between they're at. Um, but I think the real, the real test or um, where the rubber meets the road will be when they actually do start going back to school and re-entering relationships that are face-to-face. -face. So I think that'll be a little, they may need some extra support during that time. Yeah. Yeah, as we were talking before too, um, maybe this is more for us as parents than for our kids, but we talked earlier before we pressed record um, just about the importance of community um, in our own lives to be able to, uh, us as parents have relationships with other parents and to kind of just be able to be in this together. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe you guys want to speak more to that. But we have groups launching right now. There's actually a group that's specifically for parents and about parenting. Um, so just another kind of encouragement to um, engage in that because it's so helpful to be in it with other families and to be kind of going through some of the same things together. Um, well, before we wrap up, uh, we didn't really touch on this last week, so I want to make sure we bring this up today. Um, but obviously, there are certainly times when in order to appropriately, appropriately address our health, whether because of severe anxiety or depression or, or something else, um, we need to seek professional help. Um, so, Michelle, what advice would you give to someone that maybe finds themselves in that situation or maybe has a loved one that's in that situation? Yeah, so first of all, it's okay to ask 
ask for help. Sometimes I think we need permission to say that we're not okay. Um, the first step oftentimes I encourage people to talk to their doctor and they can discuss medication, uh, therapy, different things like that with their, their doctor. Uh, but if you're looking for a counselor, um, I would ask friends. I would contact potentially Blackhawk Care Ministry has a list of counselors and then call them, call a couple counselors, see who would be a good fit. Uh, for me, I think it's an honor and a, a privilege when somebody asks me into their heart. Uh, and so we're all trained and you can probably speak to this as well, Sarah, we're all trained to care well for people in different modalities and theories, but it's really the right fit. So you need to find somebody that you trust um, with those hard things that are going on in life. And I would just say from personal experience of having sought help at different times throughout my life, it's very common. Um, you know, it kind of gets, um, it can often be, sound like it's the last resort, like when things are so bad. But the reality is, for me in my life anyway, asking sooner than later has um, paid huge dividends. It's kind of just a regular part of my life, my family's life. And um, so it's not like, Things are so dire, I have to seek help. That really seeking help can be one of your first steps. Um, so yeah, I just, there are tons of great counselors. And like Michelle said, it does have to be a good fit. And sometimes that process can be mm -hmm. a little discouraging because it doesn't always happen on the first try, but know that that is a normal part of the process and to just keep trying. Yeah, that's helpful. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to wait for an emergency to pop up. Like mm -hmm. counseling can be really helpful just as kind of maintenance in our lives yep. too, um, be, before it gets to that point. Or even, you know, I've, we're talking about professional help, but asking and trying to find a mentor mm -hmm. to whatever little steps you can um, can take. Uh, we don't have to wait until, um, yeah, until a life crisis to be able to, to ask for help and whatever that looks like. It's helpful to always have, have something like that in, in place to some extent. And I would just say too, lastly, just having community around you. I know Blackhawk, we talk about it all the time, but it really is important to have people around you who love you, who you trust, who you can share your life with and to get somewhat objective feedback and just share your concerns. Find out, should I be concerned about this or not? And um, that's something that's always been a part of my life since I started at Blackhawk 20 years ago. And um, I can't tell you how much richness has been brought to my life through those relationships. So I just encourage, I know we're always touting our groups, This is, but there's a reason, a really good mm -hmm. reason for that. So mm -hmm. I just encourage that. So, well, this has been so great, um, so helpful. I just appreciate all of the insight that you've shared, Michelle. Is there anything else that you'd like to share or encourage people with before we wrap up? Yeah, so I uh, recently was reading Beth Moore's book, Chasing Vines, uh, and it really struck me. Uh, in her book, she talks about how the hardiest grape plants uh, actually have rocks in their soil. And so uh, if the soil is too comfortable for the plant, it'll flower and produce a lot of leaves, but it won't produce fruit. Uh, and so it requires the, the right amount of rocks uh, in the soil to actually produce the hardiest and most fruitful harvest. And so 
that really struck me uh, just during this season. Uh, and it's really been my prayer that God would use the rocks in my soil to produce abundant fruit in my life. Uh, and that for our community even, that we'll look back on this season because there's a lot of rocks <laughs> right now for a lot of people, uh, but that there will be fruit that comes out of it. Um, the dependence on God, um, fruits of the spirit in our life. And so um, I would just encourage us as we're kind of talking about some of these hard things or when you face hard things, realizing there there are moments when we're uncomfortable and um, that God will use that for our good to grow us um, in ways that we wouldn't have expected. That's awesome. Yeah, what a good word um, that God is at work in all things um, for the good of those who love him. It's certainly a hard season, um, but if you're listening to this, way to go. Like just, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're listening, you've made it to the end of this episode and you're, you want to learn and you want to be attentive to what it is that, um, might be going on inside of you and in your own life. So, um, these are hard, hard things, but way to just be, uh, show perseverance over these mm-hmm. last 10 months. And for, for parents, um, you've had a, a whole nother <laughs> level of, of challenges, but yeah, whatever it is, whether you're a parent or you've been trying to, um, keep a business together or, um, whatever challenge this last 10 months, um, has brought you, um, well done and give yourself grace. I appreciated you mentioning that a while ago. This is hard on everyone. Um, yeah, but you're loved and, um, I think there's better days ahead. So, um, well, thanks again for, uh, joining us today, Michelle. Thanks Sarah for, uh, jumping in as co-host today too. Um, really good to talk to you guys. Thanks for having us. Um, Well, as always, if you have feedback or follow-up questions from today, uh, we welcome your comments. So feel free to email us at podcast at blockhawkchurch.org. And we hope this has been a helpful conversation. But again, it's just a starting point for our own journeys of health that each of us are on. Um, So if we can offer um, further support or even just help you figure out what a next step might be, um, don't hesitate to reach out to us here at the church or at the care link in the show notes. And um, we'd love to be a resource to you. Well, that's it for today. Um, We'll see you again soon. So God bless and have a great week.